0: Welcome to the Business Standard Morning Show. I'm Kanishka Gupta. It's the 9th of February 2024 and here are the questions we will be answering today. What was the key message from RBI MPC? How much shockvertising is too much? Will PSU banks continue to rule markets? what is Jay Anu Santhan? The rate-setting panel of the Reserve Bank of India has kept lending rate unchanged at 6.5%, signaling that its battle against inflation is not over yet. This was the sixth consecutive time that the central bank has left the repo rate unchanged. The Monetary Policy Committee has also decided to stay focused on the withdrawal of accommodation stands. Bhaswar and Abhijit Kumar have more on it. The Reserve Bank of India's
1: Monetary Policy Committee has kept the repo rate unchanged at 6.5% for the sixth consecutive time on February 8th. RBI Governor Shakti Kantadas said that the decision was taken by a majority of five to one. The repo rate was last changed in February 2023 when it was raised from 6.25% to 6.5%. Between May 2022 and February 2023, the repo rate was hiked by 250 basis points. Governor Das said that the impact of the 250 basis point hike in the repo rate was yet to fully unfold. Earlier this week, the Business Standard Poll had predicted that the repo rate would be kept unchanged. The RBI MPC also decided to keep its stance of withdrawal of accommodation unchanged with a majority of 5 to 1. While the latest MPC meet maintained the status quo, it wasn't without any important messages. On inflation, Governor Das retained the forecast for FY24 at 5.4 per cent. However, the inflation projection for the current quarter was lowered to 5 per cent from 5.2 per cent earlier. The inflation projection for FY25 was kept unchanged at 4.5 per cent. However, the projection for Q1 FY25 was lowered to 5 per cent from 5.2 per cent. The projection for Q2 was retained at 4 per cent. Meanwhile, Q3s was lowered to 4.6% from 4.7% and Q4s was pegged at 4.7%. The RBI MPC's decision comes at a time when the inflation rate in India has been below 6% for four months since September 2023. However, it has not yet reached the target of 4%. Moreover, retail inflation rose to a four-month high of 5.69% in December 2023 the jump in inflation was due to a rise in food prices. In his first monetary policy statement of 2024, Governor Das said that the softening in core inflation continued across both goods and services. Core inflation moderated to a four-year low of 3.8% in December. While highlighting that headline inflation has seen a significant moderation from the highs of the summer of 2022. Das cautioned that recurring food prices' shock could interrupt the ongoing disinflation process, with risk that it could lead to de-anchoring of inflation expectations and generalisation of price pressures. According to Das, adverse weather events remained the primary risk, with implications for the rabi crop. Pointing out that the CPI inflation target of 4% was yet to be reached, thus said that monetary policy must ensure that the last mile of disinflation is successfully navigated.
2: Inflation, there are a couple of points made with DRBI. One is that the headline inflation number will definitely ease and come down to 4.5% for fiscal 25 compared to 5.4% for 24. This said, of the RBI is very cautious of the fact that uh, inflation, which has been driven primarily by food products, is something which has to be monitored carefully because even though core inflation is under control, uh, the sense which the RBI gets is that in case food inflation goes up for any particular reason on the supply side, it could also have a disruptive effect on core inflation because inflationary expectations start getting moderated or rather generated. And this is something which could upset the the apple cart. Otherwise, the RBI is definitely looking at a lower inflation number. Last, for, for fiscal 25.
1: On India's economy, Governor Das said that the GDP was projected to grow at 7.3% in FY24. For FY25, the GDP growth forecast has been kept at 7%, with Q1 at 7.2%, Q2 at 6.8%, Q3 at 7% and Q4 at 6.9%. Governor Das highlighted that going by the first advance estimates, FY24 would mark the third successive year of growth above 7%. He said that going forward, the momentum of economic activity witnessed in fy 24 was expected to continue in F-25. The governor cited various positive indicators. Agriculture activity was holding up well despite lower rainfall, lower reservoir levels and delayed sowing. Rabi sowing had surpassed last year's level as well as the normal acreage. Meanwhile, industrial activity was gaining steam on the back of improving the performance of manufacturing. Services sector activity was expected to remain resilient on the back of strong domestic demand and
3: stable global prospects. I think the economy is quite robust. At 7% GDP growth, over 7.3%, I think it's a very strong rate of growth. And I think he gave data to, uh, to, to support that, whether it is the PMIs, uh, or it is for both manufacturing and services, or it is the other factors uh, uh, like tax collections, et cetera. I think they have all been pointing towards a strong growth last year and that seems to be uh, uh, likely to continue uh, in the next fiscal as well. IMF has also uh, kept its uh, GDP growth for the world economy. Uh, at 3.1% now, which is the same as last year. So clearly, I think they are also seeing growth steady.
1: On the demand side, the governor said that the improving employment conditions, moderating inflation and a rebound in agriculture activity should push up household consumption. He also said that rural demand continued to gather pace, with strengthening farm-level activity and the extension of the Pradhan Mantri Garib Kalyan, Anna Yojna, likely to further support rural consumption. Meanwhile, urban consumption remains strong on the back of improved income levels.
2: Private consumption is something which the RBI is again fairly sanguine about because it expects consumption to continue to pick up next year. Uh, In the current year, it has given uh, evidence looking at various indicators that there has been a kind of a pickup in consumption. And given the fact that uh, we are looking at uh, GDP growth being maintained at the 7% range next year, it would also tantamount to consumption increasing at a fairly uh, rapid pace.
1: Apart from these crucial messages on growth, inflation and consumption, our experts had their own take on what stood out the most during yesterday's MPC.
2: So actually what really stands out is the reiteration that the stance is one of withdrawal of accommodation, which is based on the fact that the full transmission of the 250 basis points hike and rate uh, over the last uh, couple of years has not yet been uh, fully accomplished. So this, along with the fact that it says that while uh, inflation is something which they expect to come down, but their target is still 4%. So they need to be convinced about the fact that even though inflation is coming down, that it is coming down in a durable manner. So therefore, one can actually get a clue that not before the second quarter of uh, next financial year can we expect any action on the repo rate. The other message
3: relates to the budget and monetary policy connect. Uh, the budget was non-inflationary because it has reduced the fiscal impulse by cutting down the deficit to GDP ratio. So The coordination between monetary and fiscal policy is is quite good, and both are aiming to control inflation. And whenever the opportunity for RBI to cut rates come, fiscal policy will not come in the way of that.
0: After banking, let us now turn our gaze to the glamorous world of advertising. What is going on there? A recent attempt by a model turned actor to pull herself out of obscurity has shocked many. Poonam Pandey is once again in the news. But at what cost? Shockvertising, a marketing ploy that aims to grab attention through controversial or shocking ways is not new. Some recent episodes have again triggered a debate around it. So, how much shockwitizing is too much? Abhijit Kumar finds out. Controversial model actor
4: Poonam Pandey has again stirred a row. this time by faking her death. She has joined a long list of people and brands, mostly well-known, that resort to shock and awe techniques to grab attention. Just a few days ago, Fever FM's CEO shocked listeners by hinting at the closure of the radio station. However, it turned out to be a clever marketing ploy as the company unveiled its revamped brand identity with the tagline, Happening Here. Fever FM's marketing gimmick to garner more eyeballs has reignited an old debate. Where do brands draw the line? And Fever FM is not alone in this. In recent years, we have seen several instances of brands resorting to similar tactics. Take for instance, in 2022, actor Anushka Sharma expressed outrage over Puma India using her photo without permission, only to find out later that it was a strategic promotional move. Or actor Ranbir Kapoor seemingly losing his temper with a fan, which later turned out to be a staged act for OPPO. A brand he endorses. So, is shock advertising the future of marketing?
5: You know, shock advertising, if we can call it that, uh, it is a very, very old uh, thing. Uh, it, there's nothing new to it. But every 10 years, uh, whole sets of generations start reinventing it. Uh, but, you know, it lacks credibility. And I think the era of shock advertising is over. Uh, I really don't know why people still use it and use it with such panache and with such naivete.
4: Many experts believe that many brands are under pressure to stand out in a crowded marketplace and shock advertising offers a quick way to grab attention. And that stands true in the case of Fever FM. The shares of HD Media Limited stock, the parent company of the FM channel, was up 18% since January 23. However, SEBI clearly states that any marketing which may affect stock buyers' behavior is considered fraudulent. HDFC recently used actress Nora Fatehi to highlight the dangers of deepfakes by claiming she had been deepfaked herself. The popular bank rolled out a campaign, End of Scam Sale, to raise awareness about online fraud. The campaign included creating a fake Instagram page and running targeted ads. Users excited about the discounts were directed to the brand's landing page, where they discovered the scam highlighting the harsh reality of online fraud. So, do such short-term gimmicks impact the brand reputation in the long run?
5: The brand, uh, as per my definition, is a definitely a thought, a thought that lives in people's minds. Uh, this thought is a trust, and most people tend to trust the brands that they use or they interact with. Now, when a brand you trust tells a lie or when a brand you trust uh, makes a fool out of you, you tend to distrust that brand. Brands get bad reputations. Advertising gets bad reputation. Everything related to marketing gets a bad reputation.
4: A report titled Global Ad Forecast by media investment firm Magna Global said that India's total advertisement expenditure is set to touch 1.2 trillion rupees in 2024 after it breached the 1 trillion mark in 2023. The report further mentioned that digital ad revenue is expected to rise by 13.8% to reach 56,703 crore rupees, while TV ad revenue is anticipated to grow by 9.9% to reach 40,079 crore rupees. So, against this backdrop, are there any legal implications for shock advertisements?
6: Strictly speaking, from a legal standpoint, uh, these sort of advertisements cannot be said to be definitively unlawful. Uh, that's primarily because uh, the, the primary law that governs this space is the Consumer Protection Act. Um, and while there are many checks and balances within that, there are guidelines that have been issued, the dark pattern guidelines, the misleading advertisement guidelines, Um, Most of them, uh, in the way that the wordings have been put out, they relate to the kind of descriptions that are uh, are put uh, on the the advertisement. Whereas uh, the instances that you just cited are are essentially marketing strategies employed to garner more eyeballs. And uh, the descriptions of the product don't even start there. So it's much pre-step in terms of the manner that the law aims to regulate uh, the space. The Advertising
4: Standards Council of India, a self-regulatory body, had issued guidelines in 2023 for what it called dark patterns of advertising. It targeted the advertising practices which led consumers to make choices that may not be in their best interests. So should brands be pulled up for fake controversies and misleading marketing strategies?
5: Really, uh, let uh, people pull up these brands. Uh, Because people are the best judges. Consumers are the best judges. The people will pull up these brands for sure. The people will tend to say that, you know, I don't trust this brand. This brand is a liar brand. And a liar brand is never trusted. In a democracy, it's extremely important for all kinds of things to keep happening. But then, you know, consumers will tell uh, these brands and the makers of these brands that, hey, guys, we don't like what you did.
4: Experts believe that while shock advertising and similar marketing strategies may garner attention in the short term, they raise important questions about ethics, transparency, and the impact on consumer trust. They say that brands should focus on building authentic connections with their audience instead of resorting to shock tactics.
0: In 2013 US car maker Ford had apologized over a poster showing three caged and bound women in the boot of a car it had come against the backdrop of the brutal nirbhaya incident let us now move on to markets shares of public sector banks have delivered up to three times returns over the past 6 months as investors increasingly turn bullish on government backed lenders their private peers on the other hand have had mixed performances on the bourses during the same period In our next report, Nikita Vashisht explains what is keeping the stocks in demand and if this outperformance will continue.
7: Shares of public sector banks have been having a dream rally at the bourses. Over the past six months, shares of leading PSBs, including Indian Overseas Bank, UCO Bank, Central Bank of India and Punjab National Bank have zoomed between 100 and 200%. Others meanwhile have rallied in the range of 19 to 98%. By comparison, shares of private lenders have returned between -13% and 21%. Public sector banks in fact held on to their gains on February 8 despite an overall weak session after the Reserve Bank of India announced its decision to keep repo rate unchanged. While the Nifty 50 cracked over 1% and the Nifty Private Bank Index 2.8% intraday, the Nifty PSU Bank Index ruled nearly 4.3% higher. Over the past six months, the PSP Index has surged 53%. So what has been keeping the stocks on fire?
3: In financial year 2018, PSU banks accumulated losses of 87,000 crores. After recapitalization and reforms, PSU banks have made a sharp turnaround. This financial year, FI24, the net profit of PSU banks is likely to be around 1.3 lakh crore rupees.
7: During the December quarter, the combined net profit of 28 commercial banks stood at 73,243 crore rupees. Of this, profit of 15 public sector banks stood at 29,170 crore rupees with year-on-year rise ranging from 19% to 254%. By comparison, private banks reported year-on-year growth between 4 and 197%. On the business side, private lenders face challenge of high loan-to-deposit ratio, which leaves little room for them to increase lending. That said, analysts believe the rally in PSU bank stocks will be gradual from here on, as their return ratios have peaked. In the last two years and in near term, we believe that there could be a consolidation as return ratios have peaked off for most of the PSU banks and there are no radiative triggers in the near term. However, valuations are still cheap Some of the banks are trading at par the book value or below the book value versus one year forward book value estimate despite healthy ROE levels. Despite the consolidation, Malani thinks public sector banks will maintain their edge over their private peers amid robust earnings and credit growth outlook. On February 9, markets will track the last leg of Q3 results and global queues for directional moves.
3: He's making plans for an early retirement.
7: Business Standard
0: No indications of an interest rate cut by the RBI in the near future spooked the markets on Thursday, but it's most likely a blip. The recent interim budget has affirmed that India's economy is on firm footing. One of the budget announcements that was praised in several quarters. Was the government's 1 lakh crore rupees corpus to boost private sector research in sunrise domains like biotechnology, artificial intelligence, and renewable energy? Ayush Mishra has more on it.
3: Prime Minister Shastri, Prime Minister Lal Bahadur Shastri gave the slogan of Jai Jawan Jai Kisan. Prime Minister Vajpayee, Atal Bihari ji made that Jai Javan, Jai Kisan, Jai Vigyan. Prime Minister Modi has furthered that to Jai Javan, Jai Kisan, Jai Vigyan and Jai Anusandhan, as innovation is the foundation of development.
8: With that, Union Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman announced a corpus of Rs 1 lakh crore with a 50-year interest-free loan to encourage the private sector to scale up research and innovation in Sunrise domains. Speaking at the Interim Union Budget for 2425, the Finance Minister said, The corpus will provide long-term financing or refinancing with long tenors and low or nil interest rates. We need to have programs that combine the powers of our youth and technology. Sitaraman emphasised the contribution of research and innovation in fueling India's growth, creating employment opportunities and promoting development. The government is expected to collaborate with financial institutions such as National Bank for Financing Infrastructure and Development, National Investment and Infrastructure Fund or Small Industries Development Bank of India to implement this budgetary announcement. Although India ranks among the top 10 global spenders on research and development, its absolute expenditure falls behind that of smaller economies like South Korea and France. India's R&D spending as a percentage of GDP remains lower compared to countries such as South Korea, Israel, Switzerland and Sweden, highlighting the need for increased investment. R&D spending as a percentage of GDP is only 0.4% for FY23, according to data from Capitaline. The rupee 1 trillion interest-free loan fund aligns with increased global investments in emerging technologies and the government's endeavour to promote private sector engagement in R&D. For the private sector, the rupee 1 trillion corpus reflects the government's commitment to innovation and research. The focus on skilling, upskilling and reskilling of youth will ensure an industry-ready workforce to navigate the headwinds of a volatile marketplace, said Sindhu Gangadharan, vice chairperson of industry body NASCOM, speaking to Business Standard earlier. The funding targets innovative, for-profit ventures in unproven technologies. Interministerial discussions are underway to identify the sectors eligible for the funding. The allocation will be spread across several years for diverse projects with specific project decisions possibly delegated to an expert committee. I am
7: backed by the nation's trusted bank, SBI, the banker to every Indian.
0: While announcing the corpus, Finance Minister Nirmala Sitharaman has called for programs that combine the powers of youth and technology. Well, that is all for today. For more news, views and analysis, please log on to business-standard.com. For more news, views and updates, subscribe to Business Standard on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Also follow us on YouTube, Vimeo, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn.